0: Hi everybody, I'm Cess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. If you've ever found yourself procrastinating over completing a task, well, my next guest will have you sorted. Sam Tornatori has spent the past couple of decades helping business owners overcome procrastination. In this episode, we'll unpack the causes of procrastination, some tips to overcome procrastination, and also find out how to set yourself up to steer clear of procrastination moving forward. thank you so much for joining me on the show today it's great having you here my pleasure excellent now you are a procrastination expert <laughs> firstly <laughs> how does how does someone become a procrastination expert where did you where did your passion for for curing people of their procrastination come from
1: Well, let me clarify, I'm not an expert at procrastinating. I'm actually an expert at helping people stop procrastinating. Big difference. So, but yeah, look, my passion started uh, look easy over 20 years ago. Like I've been in the before 20 years ago, I was in the corporate space and I was always a little bit, excuse me, I've just come back from Melbourne and four days down there, I can't believe how cold that city is. So. But um, look, I was in the corporate world for a long time, and that was my background uh, coming from commerce. And I saw a lot of procrastination in that area. Um, About 20 years ago, I had the absolute privilege of starting my own business, which was all around personal development seminars. And that's where I started to really research and understand a lot more about procrastination. Because I found that a lot of people wanted to do things. They wanted to achieve more, including myself. But where they fell down, which was common to everybody, was the fact that they procrastinated. So it really puzzled me for ages. So I went on a quest to understand why people procrastinate. And obviously, I just learned more and more and more. And, you know, I'm just very excited with what I know these days. and very excited when I have a conversation with people and the opportunity to share, because I do think it's a common issue for many people. And for the last 20 years, I've just been researching more and more and understanding more and more, applying that to myself, but understanding it more as I, I work with various people and I've spoken to over 10,000 people over the 20 years. Um, so I've come to understand a fair bit of it.
0: So, a couple of questions. What would you say are some of the root causes of procrastination, and why is procrastination so harmful?
1: Look, the good question. Um, why it's so harmful is simply that it robs us of our right to be excellent. Right? So we all want more. And what's stopping us is the ability to take action. And that's really all it is. You know, we all have great ideas that we want to move towards. But somewhere along the line, those great ideas do not transition to great action. And when we don't take the action, we simply miss out. And and you know instead of taking the action what a lot of people do is they start making excuses and they start laying blame and projecting responsibility outside rather than taking the responsibility ourselves so that's you know the the key fundamental result but what we need to do is understand the causes and it is very now. i'll give a bit of a disclaimer the disclaimer is that everybody's situation is very very unique so you know, one reason for one person to procrastinate may not replicate to someone else. So it is very. But if we look at the most common things, we can start off with the easy ones. And one of the the first reasons why people procrastinate, and and this may be a shock, may not be a shock to many people, but we simply do not want to do the things we want to do, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, know, it's, it's you know, when I say to people, I say, guess what? You don't really want to do it. So you say you want to do that. You say you want to pursue some kind of goal. You say you want to get fit or you want to pursue some business activity or you just want to do something more. But deep down, you don't really want to, right? it And, and what I say, I say it with respect, what I'm saying is when you look at your core values, the things that are really important to you, what you may want to do might not match your values. So to answer your question, the first thing we've got to always look at is what are our core values? And is this goal or is this activity that I'm trying to pursue or that I'm procrastinating on, does it match? Does it match me? Does it match me? Is it my goal? Is it something that I want? Is it something that's inherent in, with my personality? And the things that are really, truly important to me, And if we can answer that question with a yes, then you find that procrastination doesn't usually exist. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I would agree. You find the motivation. (laughs) If you you really want to do something, you will find the motivation to do it. Exactly.
1: So the things we procrastinate are often the things that we don't actually like or are really consistent with who we are. You know, and the best example of this is that, you know, it's a simple example, but it's basic, but everyone can relate to it. I mean, you don't have to uh, motivate a child to play a video game, right? Be- they'll never procrastinate about that because it's what they want to do. You know, it's fun, represents fun. It's it's a value for them, competitive and, you know, that whole nature. But if you say to that same kid, listen, I want you to clean up your room, then they're going to procrastinate about that because it means nothing to them. There's no value associated with them. It's not important to them. And that's one of the key distinctions. So. So, you know, it's a long answer to a short question, but the first thing, the reason we don't, we procrastinate is because what we're after doesn't resonate with who we are and, uh, you know, it doesn't match our core values. And in some respects, it's just not our goal, not our goal. In fact, sometimes a lot of the things that we try to do are imposed on us. We do it for other people. Oh, my parents think it's a good idea. Um, you know, or society thinks I should be doing this or my boss thinks I should be involved in this program or any time you have an external influence dictating what you want to do, you've got to put a big question mark around that. hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that that absolutely makes sense. But so what would be some signs that, you know, I might be a procrastinator? Are are there typical signs?
1: (laughs) Well, apart from not doing something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, it all comes down to awareness. And look, I procrastinate from time to time, right? Pretty rare these days, but it's the same advice I give to people I give to myself. And that's to stop and be aware. And you got to say to yourself, you know what? I'm procrastinating on this. And let's not put our head in the sand and ask ourselves, why am I procrastinating? So, you know, the first thing we need to do is to be aware of it. And if we catch ourselves putting things off and the best way, the best language you can see, that's the ultimate test, the acid test to see whether you're procrastinating is this. Are you giving yourself a whole bunch of excuses (laughs) as to why you're not doing something? The minute you start hearing one, two, three, or a whole string of excuses, That should be setting alarms off, you know, ding, 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 ding. Warning, procrastination ahead, big problem coming. So that's usually the first thing uh, we start giving excuses, and you know, get common. You know, I don't have time. Um, You know, I'm not feeling that great for it, or you know, I'll, I'll, um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not something on my list of things to do today, or you know, a whole bunch of things, you know, and. That's probably the first thing. And then at a deeper level, at a deeper level, once we've done that for a while, then the language you start hearing is the next really problematic area, and that's when we start laying the blame. Oh, you know, it's my boss's fault. It's the government's fault. It's uh, political party's fault. It's my family's fault. It's my background, my upbringing. You name it, the list can go on. But you know who's usually never on that list? You. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Us. We never put the finger. We never put the finger back to ourselves and say, Oh, maybe, maybe it's me.
0: Yeah. So so could there be um particular motivators for your procrastination though? Like so you've mentioned the one the ones around, you know, maybe it's not it was never my thing that I actually wanted to do in the first place, which would seem like a good idea for procrastination to me. Or maybe is there stuff like perhaps Uh, um, I don't know, fears that might be motivating the procrastination like that what we do might not be good enough or, you know, we don't have the time or whatever. Are there particular motivators that we need to understand to be able to stop that procrastination in its track?
1: Yeah, look, what you said there are fears, that's a big part of it. I mean, a lot of people do procrastinate because they've got these, uh, these mental type of roadblocks or or constructs or limitations, and and fear is definitely a big one. So let me expand on that one. I mean, one of the times we procrastinate about things because we we, we fear that um, it might not be something we're good at, or we might fear that the result might not turn out to the way that we want to, uh, you know, the way that we think it's going to turn out, or we fear a whole bunch of things associated with getting that result. So because we fear that the safe thing to do is to not take the action. So we do need to analyze that. Now, that, that requires a bit of, you know, a bit of vulnerability. And because you know, no one likes to admit we got any fears, you know, and uh, you know, it's funny because recently I, I, I was at a seminar and this topic of fears came up, you know, and there's a lot of wealthy and successful people in this group. Everyone, you know, it was like they got their act together. And the presenter talked about some fears and he actually listed some up on the board. And he just went around the room and he said, oh, put your hands up if you've got a few of these on the list. You know, and a couple of people put their hand up and he, he kept going. And then he got to the point where he asked us enough questions about fears and, and he, we all had our hands up, meaning we owned some of these fears. And he said, look around the room. And he said, you know, and, and everybody had their room up, uh, had their hand up in the room. So the point he made was that you know, before you look around and everybody has a combination of some sorts of all these fears. But until we admit that, we would look around the room and we think, oh, these people have got their act together. No problems here. I'm the only one with the fears. But the reality of it is that we all have some fears in some case, and those fears uh, stop us and they hold us back from procrastination. And, and sometimes you can go to the extent, uh, Seth, so where you, know, you would say that some of these fears create comfort for us. They stop us from doing something, so we avoid doing the actual thing, uh, and that becomes nice and comfortable for us. So that's why we procrastinate as well. We don't like our comfort being challenged.
0: Yeah, you're right there. I think it, um, that procrastination can be a place of comfort. It can make us feel cosy. So it's not just a matter of willpower though, is it? Like you can't go, oh, I'm just going to stop procrastinating. No. Or can you?
1: (laughs) Well, look, you've got to start by at least telling yourself that you're not going to be a procrastinator anymore. So you've got to change your belief system and you've got to change your script, your vocabulary. You know, if you take that to the other extreme, if, if all you ever tell yourself is that, oh, gee, I'm a procrastinator, I procrastinate so much. Well, you know, that's a self-instruction. You're telling your subconscious mind, you're implanting that seed and it's just like a track on a record just over and over again.
0: And it's like you're letting yourself off the hook as well. Yeah. Oh, that's just me. I'm just a procrastinator.
1: Absolutely. And let me tell you, if you have that dialogue, if you have that script, you're going to really struggle. Because that will be we we our whole behavior is constructed around our belief system, and our whole behavior is constructed around what we continually tell ourselves If we tell ourselves, you know we're in that procrastination area and that's who we are, we associate with that as an identity, that's a very dangerous area. So the first step is to change that and until we do, then we're going to tend to procrastinate so. You know that that's the first part of it.
0: So, are there practical steps that you can take if you do find that you've got that inner voice or telling you, "Oh, you know, it's okay. You're just someone that procrastinates, and when you get it done, you'll get it done." Like, how do you change that inner dialogue or change that perception that you have of yourself as someone who is a procrastinator?
1: Yeah. Oh, look, excellent, excellent, excellent question. So, what you're talking about here is changing a belief system so
0: Mm, that's that's a hard thing to do
1: it is and you know because you're talking years and years and years of conditioning for many people um you know and, and a lot of people don't even know that they've been entrained with this whole belief system starting from when we were a kid in fact you know the funny thing is is that science have proven and this is without a doubt that when we are born we are born with only one fear and one fear only and that is the fear of of actually falling, or, or you know, or, or, or you know, falling. You know, you could take a baby and it will react if it's started to fall. So every other fear and every other belief system has been conditioned by our upbringing, starting obviously from our parents, schools, associations, role models, you know, churches, society, you name it, groups everywhere, conditioning into our belief system. So we are right now the sum total of everything that we believe in our environment and what we've been conditioned. So the very, very first step is to first be aware (laughs) that we may be holding some beliefs that do not work for us, that don't serve us, and they're holding us back. So if we find ourselves telling us, I'm a procrastinator, that's who I am, and that becomes our narrative, Then the absolute critical step is to is to just say, hang on a sec. I am aware that I am saying this, and this is not actually serving me, and this is not helping. So that's the first key. Then when you identify that, you've got to really dispute that belief, and you've got to say, where is the support? Where is the evidence that supports what I'm saying? Now, if you're a procrastinator, you'll probably find a lot of things, right? So, well, I put this off and I put that off, which which is fair enough. But then you've got to start changing your script and you've got to start saying, I you know, well, you know, do the things I need to get done when they need to get done, or I'm a do it now person, or I'm the sort of person that takes action when it needs to take action. You've got to start changing that narrative that you have at a deeper level, though, so you've got to really work out why you're doing it and start eliminating one by one all these little things that we do And it can start off with the basic things such as taking ownership of a goal, right down to the pretty hardcore some of the beliefs that we have, and just going through one by one and identifying them. And as you get better, you'll procrastinate a little bit less, and that becomes your new pattern. That becomes your new level of evidence. So then you can start saying, well, you know, I occasionally procrastinate, but I'm actually not a procrastinator. Sometimes I procrastinate, sometimes I do, but I'm actually getting better at it. Now, that's a believable statement that you can make. So that's probably a good starting point. I hope that gives some insight as to how you can start going about making some changes there.
0: Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. So is it also important to, I don't know, to understand the type of tasks or situations that might that might make us tend to procrastinate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's assume that we've identified the fact that what you want to do is something you really want to do, right? Not something that's been imposed on you. So, I mean, give me a, a real example from my own personal life. Now, I mean, I enjoy what I do now. I mean, I'm an extroverted type person. I, I You know, I'm very much in, um, in business development, selling and just uh, external extroverted type activities you know I'll tell you what I mean by that as, as a contrast for a long time I felt like I was an introvert and in some respects I still am but when I when I left school I had no idea what I wanted to do I had nothing and my parents being great parents and wanting the best for my you know for me and their heritage coming from an Italian background their focus was on being successful Pursuing an avenue of work that's going to give you the most amount of money and all those sorts of things. So the answer for me, they said you should get a degree and you should become a doctor or a lawyer or something that makes a lot of money, right? So I thought, oh well, you know, you you my parents are the authority. Of course, that makes sense. So after trying a different sort of trying to get into some areas, I ended up with becoming an accountant. So I look back now and I can't, for the life of me, can't understand how I ever became an accountant. I did my big COM, I studied accounting and I was an accountant for the first two years of my professional life. And I absolutely hated it. I hated it. And all through uni, it was a struggle. I remember, you know, not doing assignments on time. Going to uni was a struggle. Just getting there was an issue. And then trying to study for an exam. Oh man, what effort, effort, effort. And I remember doing all I could just to pass, right? And you know, I did and I got my BCOM, fantastic. But it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I keep harping on this because this is a big thing. I think why far too many people get involved in things that they're not passionate about or things that aren't really for them. Now, in my case, if I listened to my calling and who I was, I would have quickly wrecked that. That wasn't for me. And my joy is helping people. It's my absolute passion. I love it. I help, you know, just it's what I do. What it's, it? What lights me up put me in front of a stage in front of people. And it's showtime. I'm home. Right. Some people go, oh man, how can you talk to people? I love it. Put me on a stage. As long as I'm helping people with something I know about. I'm, I'm really, I'm in my element. So the other thing I wanted to say, let's assume that you've got what you want as a, as a goal and a pursuit. The next step really needs to be, don't be too overwhelmed with that activity. That's probably the next thing I see, is that people, set a goal that's just way, way too big. They complicate it, and it's so large, it's bigger than Ben-Hur. So if you do manage to pick something that you resonate with, be careful not to make it so big that you become always a little bit powerless in the pursuit of it
0: yeah no that makes sense i guess as well it's like if it is about the tasks at hand making them more bite-sized tasks that are achievable so that you don't get overwhelmed you nailed it. and then you're still moving forward towards your 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 end goal but absolutely you're not getting so overwhelmed by everything that you can't you're paralyzed you know
1: absolutely and that's you hit the nail right on the head. One of my favourite sayings I used to say in my in my presentations, and it was always chuck, you know, create a nice little chuckle from the group. But it was so true. I'd say, "How do you eat an elephant?" And and you know, well, how do you eat an elephant? You tell me.
0: <laughs> a bite at a time, I would say. <laughs> exactly. Except I'm vegetarian, yeah, so no elephants for me. <laughs>
1: Well, bad luck if you're a vegan, but anyway, it's the same thing. (laughs) How do you eat a big stalk of celery? Well, one bite at a time. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, that is a key element. And people really need to not be too hard on themselves. And just, you know, we talk about creating new evidence. Well, the new evidence is, you know, do one little thing. If you can do one little thing today, you can do another little thing tomorrow and then the day after and a day after. And that creates momentum in your life. And when you create momentum with simple things on a daily basis, even if it's only for a few days in a row, guess what? That's a new pattern. That's a new bit of evidence. That's a new bit of evidence to support your new belief system of, you know what? I am an action taker. I have the ability to do the things that need to be done. Or you could just be saying something like, I get better and better every day of doing the things that are important. It becomes an internal script.
0: What about rewarding ourselves? To, should we kind of reward ourselves for not procrastinating if we if we've achieved a milestone or if we're doing that incremental change a little bit, little bit every day? Is there something to be said for rewarding ourselves for that?
1: Absolutely. We always should be rewarding. And this is where a lot of people get a bit confused about rewards and and, and, and that sort of incentive-based behaviour. It. The short answer is yes. We, it all works. We should definitely uh, treat ourselves, reward ourselves. When we achieve milestones the key with that is don't give yourself too big a reward for doing too little i
0: did
1: one thing today congratulations new car right <laughs> so but and then you can go the other extreme is that you don't reward yourself enough when you do a lot of activity now that could be key because you don't think you're worthy of it right or you don't think the challenge is big enough or you're still a bit hard on yourself so somewhere in those two is a nice balance of of rewarding yourself. So it should be relative to an achievement of something. But I think even deeper than that, says it's not so much rewarding yourself for the achievement because see, sometimes that's a little bit out of our control. You know, it doesn't matter how many times we set a goal, there's a certain element of things we can do, but there's still things that are just left to the universe, right? We can't control everything. We can only control one thing, and that is ourselves. So the one thing we can control is our activity and the things we do. So I think the best forms of incentives relate to you taking certain actions. So for example, let's say if you're a salesperson and you have to call, I don't know, 10 people a day to get a result of a sale at the end of the week. Now you could say, well, if I forget that sale at the end of the week, I'm going to treat myself with X, Y, Z. That's one thing, but you could do all the activity and maybe not get the sale and you won't get the reward. You're going to feel a bit bummed about that, right? But what you can do is reward yourself for the activity you did. If you did those 10 calls and you did them for five, and at the end of the week, you go, I did my 50 calls, that's worthy of a treat because that's something you can control and that's another conditioning you can do. And guess what? You do that enough times, you will get the sale unless you're doing something drastically wrong, of course.
0: What about if your procrastination is kind of environmental, if you're easily distracted or, you know, your phone's there and you start scrolling through your social media feed? What are some kind of practical tips around that to to try and get you to be more productive in your day?
1: This is my absolute, absolute favourite area. And the reason why this is my favourite is because, look, We're in a world that is just way too fast, way too complex. We are assaulted every day with interruptions. The list is endless. You know what it's like. You know, we've got news feeds, we've got bings, buzzes, dings, alarms, notifications. It's just endless. And while we're in that environment, it's gonna, you're gonna struggle. You're gonna struggle with productivity. You're gonna struggle with procrastination. You'll find a bunch of excuses. I've got to answer that. You know, I've got to deal with this. So this is something that, you know, I personally have worked on in the last couple of years. And it's probably my own biggest breakthrough. And it's funny, you know, like, you know, I used to read about these things and I'd hear about it. And, but it's only till, you know, you you actually stop and think to yourself, you know what? I'm not getting very far ahead here in some of the things I want to do. Once again, it becomes awareness. So absolutely critical to answer your question is you've got to do what I call create a fortress around your time or your allocated time where you're going to do a task. So let's say you want to do a task and it's really, really important and it's going to take you one hour to do. Now, you could do that task in one hour, you'll achieve it. Now. If you did it with all the dings, dongs, buzzes and interruptions people walking in your door, people knocking on your door, that sort of stuff, it might take you a day to do that task or even two days, right? So the absolute key here says, and this is a fundamental thing. So if I want people to walk away with uh, a key takeaway, it's this, whatever it is that you want to do, set up in your environment, set it up so that you win. Take away every possible distraction and and put yourself in an environment and guard that environment like it's you're guarding your life. if you can put a fortress around that time and that environment like you know it's like I said it's like your life depends on it and you say no to everything else that can possibly come in you will be blown away with how much you can actually do blown away because that's the key we allow all these things coming in so before i go on with some actual practical things you do in fact my favorite practical things you do i just want to check i mean are you you know you're with me on that i mean you know you think that's uh, you know that.
0: yeah no i do i think setting those boundaries and eliminating distractions is key to being effective
1: there's a funny thing you know when i coach my private clients one of the things people say to me, oh, Sam, look, I, I just, I can't do that. I can't lock myself away. You know, I've got to be on call. I've got to be available. Uh, you don't understand my business, you know, like, you know, basically what they're saying to me is that they're a control freak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, not, they're not saying it in that many words, but they're saying, I've got to know what's going on. I've got to be a control freak, right? And this is my response to those people. I say, okay, no worries. I get it. I understand. Okay, let me ask you this. If I said to you that tomorrow you've just won a trip and in in addition to that trip, you've got $10 million as the prize. And the $10 million prize means you just have to hop on a plane and fly somewhere in the world to collect your $10 million prize. And you've got to be on a plane for eight hours. Eight hours. And guess what? On that plane, you turn your phone off, there's no Wi-Fi, no one's going to knock on that plane door, right? you buy yourself for eight hours. Would your life, your business, your environment, would it still carry on without you for those eight hours?
0: Absolutely, of course it would.
1: <laughs> of course it would. You, you would, and you've got a $10 million prize coming up. You think, who cares? Absolutely, I can't. So you've just, you know, for many people, they've answered their own question by that. This is not about you can't survive being away from your business or your activity for eight hours. This is a question is that you don't find enough reasons to actually do it. And when you find enough reasons, you know, this is not a how-to exercise. This is a a why-do-I-want-to-do-it exercise.
0: Yeah, that's true. It is about finding that why in it and... And turning that voice off in your head as well.
1: Yeah. So if we really, really want to, we can block out one hour, two hours, three hours, you know, a day. I mean, I just came back from a four-day seminar. Now, I actually, because I like to be absolutely present when I, when I'm working, I'm working. When I'm on holidays, I'm on holidays. I try to be. I know it's really hard, and I don't think anyone's really mastered it. But if I'm Personally, developing in my own time, and I'm, if I'm at a seminar, if I'm doing something, you know, everything's off because I can't be present if I'm checking phones and all sorts of stuff. So, um, you know, it can be done. Um, so that, that's the key: is you just got to you've got to discipline yourself to build that fortress around your time.
0: Yeah, and and make sure you realise that it's important enough for you to do it.
1: Yeah, and and, and it is doable. So I mean. If I can, I mean, if you're happy to, I'm happy to share my my absolute favourite little tips to doing yeah. it. And yeah, for sure. They're not they're not really hard, but it starts with saying, okay. Um, the best way to look at this, another way I, I coach some of my prime clients is, this, I say, okay, let me let me pretend that you've just become an employee of me, right? So I've employed you, and I say to you, I'm going to pay you, okay. You know, a million dollars an hour to work for me. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to start.
0: Sam, I'll take that job.
1: (laughs) Okay. Most people would, but these are my conditions. My conditions are that when you start work, it might be eight o'clock in the morning. You start work at eight o'clock in the morning. You do not take a phone call. You do not take any interruptions. You don't answer an email. You don't answer. You don't do anything other than be present with the task that I've allocated for you. You do that every hour, I'll give you a million dollars. Now, using that same analogy, you'd take that job and you'd do that task without interruption. Would you not? Right, so the first thing you gotta do is treat yourself like you're that million dollar employee and employed yourself. So start at whatever time you're gonna say you're gonna start. So let's talk about some practical things. The first thing is, you get your phone and you physically turn it off. Oh, take my phone off, Sam. You've got to be kidding, right? Turn it off. We're glued to it. I'll tell you what. I put this as a challenge to anybody. You turn your phone off for an hour or two and you experience the bliss and the peace and the productivity that comes with doing that. I challenge everybody, just do it. If you can't do it for an hour, do it for half an hour, right? So that's the first thing I do. Um, the second thing I do is um, shut down your programs like emails, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's, they're just constantly ding, 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 ding. And every time you do that, you're drawn to it. Oh, what's that email? What's that email? Once again. If you're working for that million dollar boss, he's not going to tolerate that or she's not going to tolerate that. You're going to get fired. So treat yourself with the same level of importance, turn your email off. You know, there's nothing there that can't wait. I mean, if your house is going to burn down, no one's going to send you an email. So turn it off. If you can't do that, turn your whole Wi-Fi off. If you're working on a Word document in front of your PC, it's a proposal or you, know, you, write, you have to write an article on something, or if you have to get deep into thought, into some kind of strategic plan about your business, it only requires a Word document. You don't need Wi-Fi, turn it off. Huh? Those sort of things. So the other thing too, you know, simple things, go to an environment where you're not gonna get distraction. This is hard for people who work from home, but you can actually say to your family, look, there's, my door is closed. And unless the place is on fire or it's an emergency, do not interrupt me. Now, if they respect you enough, which I'm sure they will, and you make it really crystal clear the that working, what you're working on is very important. And if you're a family person, you say it's gonna benefit this family, then they're gonna be more in tune with it and they'll get used to it, right? So that's another step. You know, Sometimes, and I know I'm going on a bit here, but, you know, these are some really passionate things for me, you know. Sometimes people say, I can't work from home, it's too many interruptions. I go, okay, fantastic. Where can you go to work without interruptions? And you know what? People usually find an area or, an, or a place. I mean, go to your local library. There's rooms there. You can rent one of them out for two hours. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, um, it, it all comes back to that setting the boundaries as well around around your time that like your time is precious and you have stuff to do absolutely <laughs> people will respect it if you if you if you're you're um upfront with them about what your boundaries are and the things that you need to achieve i think people generally tend to respect it
1: yeah and and this is about communicating your own worth as well you know getting down to belief system you know if you feel like you're you're a person that, oh, you know, I'm just interrupting people or I'm not around for people or my family depends on me. You know, Yeah, I get all that. Right. But guess what? You're also the most important person in the world. Without you, then you can't support other people. So when is a good time to start investing in you and what you want to do and what's important to you, your learning or your contribution? You know, it's like that mask that comes out of the, you know, on an airplane, you know, in case of emergency, get the mask, put it on yourself first, right? Not on other people, because if you do it enough people, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna die, right? So it's the same process. At some point, you gotta take responsibility for you being the most important person. And I don't care if you've been conditioned otherwise, the minute minute you realize that you are a VIP, and you start treating yourself like a VIP, people will respect you as a VIP. And then you can say, listen, I've got some important work to do because I'm a big kahuna and I need to get stuff done and whatever's going on, we'll just have to wait for a while and then I'll deal with it later. Unless it's of course an emergency, whatever. I mean, there's always gonna be exceptions, but when you do that, people will respect it and they'll follow through, no problem.
0: Thank you so much, Sam. Thanks for your time today. I think that's probably all that we've we've got time for, but I really appreciate you having this big chat with me around procrastination and getting more done and being more respectful of your time and your life. So thank you.
1: Oh, my pleasure. That's my pleasure. I hope I wasn't too hard on, on people because, you know, like I can get a bit uh, overzealous and, and passionate about you know, making sure people just maximize every day that they have, maximize their opportunities, maximize their, produ- their productivity, and just and just kill the procrastination. Just kill it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> death to procrastination.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sam.
1: My pleasure. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Bye.